Genre. everyone welcome to countdown to infinity on today's episode we are going to asgard and covering thor i am ray ruzo and i have got with me today chris o'connor excelsior you got it this time <clears throat> becca raybergen hello friends and we have for the first time our guest host cassandra frederickson hello yay Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Because they've been listening to us for now, like, three or four weeks. So Sure. I am one of the co-hosts on Lord of the Rings Minute. That's my baby. Uh, we analyzed the, mo- the extended editions of Lord of the Rings one minute at a time. We've had Chris as a guest uh, before, and that was a lot of fun. So much fun. And I am also... One of the co-hosts on The Doctor's Companion, which is a Doctor Who podcast on dueling genre, as well as the co-executive producer of Geek by Night, which I'm sure they have talked about because Chris and Ray both star in it. Woo! And yeah. Yeah. I that's me. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about my baby, Thor. Uh- <laughs> yeah. All of our babies. And just so all those le- listeners that know out there, like, all of the f- uh, the the first one, the Fellowship of the Ring, is up for for download and listening. Like how many how many episodes is that? How A many lot minutes? of minutes. Fellowship was two hundred and five episodes. We are in two towers right now. Two- so. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. just started the two towers. Bless you. There's there's a big cat back catalog yeah. there for your yeah. I'm everybody. never gonna yeah. complain about the production schedule for this show ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I I applaud your um Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, timeliness it's, on that. It's fun, but it's uh it's definitely work. So, but it's fun work. So, can't really complain too much. Yeah. A job of work. <laughs> so, today we are finally getting into some new territory. Uh we've had two Iron Mans and one Hulk so far, and now we're about to hit the third Avenger to join our team, and we are talking about the strongest Avenger. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Totally correct. Point break. Point break. Damn you, Stark. (laughs) (laughs) So this movie is thematically and tonally like a really big departure from everything we've seen in the MCU so far. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's a completely different, almost a completely different genre if you look at like compared to like the tech movie that you get in Iron Man and the monster movie in Hulk. It's a fantasy movie in a lot of ways. And that's one of the things I've really, I really enjoy about the MCU in general is it. They're not just superhero movies. They really branch out and cover a whole bunch of genres. So, you know, you might not be the kind of person who's typically into a mm-hmm. quote unquote superhero movie, but chances are there is something within the MCU that is going to strike 
your fancy. It's actually funny that you say that because this was the first Marvel movie that I ever saw in theaters. I was one of those people who was like, quote unquote, not into superhero movies. And I was more familiar with um, DC. So I saw the Batman movies and I'd read some Green Lantern stuff, but I'd never really been exposed to Marvel before this movie came out. And my boyfriend at the time was like super into comics and he was like, oh, you should see this movie. You would like it, but you might want to watch Iron Man first before you see it, just so you know what's going on. So I borrowed a copy of Iron Man the day before I pl- I planned to go see Thor, and then I saw Thor. And I enjoyed Iron Man, but this movie... I connected to this movie on a level that I wasn't planning on, and this is... Like, Thor is my favorite Avenger. He's, like, my favorite superhero. And I recognize that the Thor subcategory of the MCU has issues uh, with the movies, but they are by far my favorites. So I will defend these movies... Uh, to the end. Good for you. You won't really have to defend these movies too hard from us. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's kind of funny that people insisted that you needed to watch Iron Man before before watching Thor. I guess, obviously, it, it informs, you know, who's Coulson, what shield, like it sort of fills in sort of like backstory for them. You get an idea of who they are and where they're coming from. I suppose if you watch Thor without having any idea about them, it would just kind of be like, who are these nameless, faceless, uh, ba- uh, you know, government agent baddies? And and I mean, by the end, obviously, they're not. But I suppose it does help a little to have seen Coulson before. But I don't think you needed it to, to watch. No, that. I don't think so either. Like, it informs mm-hmm. the greater, like, mythos of the MCU at the time. And, like, I didn't even know who Hawkeye was. So, like, when he shows up in this movie, I was like, who's the who's the guy with the arrow? Like, was it a big deal? And Who's this dummy using yeah. a bow and arrow instead of a <laughs> rifle? It's like, what kind of a choice is that? He made, like, no impact on me the first time I saw it to the point where I didn't even realize he was in it. Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw Avengers <laughs> later on. It's, I, like, two seconds. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I had the same issue with Black Widow in a, when I saw Avengers. Like, I guess yeah. I blocked most of Iron Man 2 out of my mm. head. So I was like, oh, she's amazing. Where can I see more of her? And all my friends were like, she was freaking in Iron Man. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta watch that one again. <laughs> so one of the things that's really incredible about this movie is the cast that they managed to bring on board. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Because at the time, yeah. like, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston were basically unknown. Yeah, yeah. They're mm-hmm. they're not that I mean, obviously they're a big deal now, but at the time it was kinda like, who are these nobodies that nobody knows? They're nobody. Mm-hmm. But then And then you have everybody that Ken Branagh brings to the table. Natalie Portman, Anthony yeah. Hopkins, oh. Stellan Skarsgard, Idris Elba, Renee Russo, like really <laughs> big names and obviously Kenneth mm-hmm. Branagh directing yeah that was uh, that is an interesting thing like i i wish i had uh did has anybody uh like read up or know anything about like what it was to to get to get kenneth brana to direct a comic book movie how did they how did they pull that off that is a good question i can't say i've done any research on how the actual negotiations went but <laughs> how, that, how that actually went the movie is so shakespearean in nature and it's very high drama. It's very elevated emotionally. You got the fancy talk. 
this sort of false fancy talk. <laughs> false fancy yeah. talk. I mean, no one even has the same accent. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, the world building there leaves a little bit to be. It's designed. a lot of fun. I, I, you know, that's one of those things that I loved about like when Thor would pop up. Not that I, I, I didn't read Thor comic books much as a, as a kid. Uh, I think like mostly I saw him in, in the, uh, the Ultimates line. Um, but he would pop up every once in a while in something that I was reading and it was always amusing that he'd be like, verily, haha, son of Stark or, you know, whatever. And, and just like that sort of, you know, not really sort of old middle English, old English, not, not really Shakespearean, but it's like, we know what you're going for. And they always gave him the funny font. Uh, I love mm-hmm. it. It's, it's, That's it's what great. I was going to say. Like all the Asgardians got that font. He's saying it with an accent. Every, everything coming out of him is special. So you knew how to listen, how to hear yeah. it in your mind. Yeah. So the movie, it opens with Jane hitting Thor with her car. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> Please don't be dead. And so begins the trend of Thor getting hit by things. Yeah, he doesn't really have it. Well, I mean, when you have the guy who, who can survive most stuff, why not? Why not? Yeah. The yeah. world is dangerous. Other people would have died. Thor's a hero. <laughs> Big blonde dummy. I mean, he's not dumb. He's not dumb. He's not dumb. He's not dumb, though. Like, he's really not. He's really smart. Yes. Big, big, big. He is a golden retriever, goddamn. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, he's a golden retriever. They, golden retrievers are smart. They are. They're smart. They're just, you know. They want then to he is not you. smart. I think the big character flaw that we have at the beginning of the movie and that he has to work through is his arrogance, his mm-hmm. heated temper, his ah, desire yes. to fight and impulsiveness yeah honor and glory i will say that like watching this again after it's been a really long time and post ragnarok revisiting this is really interesting Mm -hmm. because you see how far his character has come and but i i I always Mm -hmm. love like battle ragey thor Um, he's (laughs) he's so young in this like everyone is so young they're, it's like watching the yeah. first Harry Potter movie. Like everyone's a baby. They're babies. <laughs> yeah. Also, one of the what oh. you just said about it being interesting to go back after seeing Ragnarok, and mm-hmm. you can see in in Odin's rage at with Thor after the Jotunheim thing, you can see his memories of Hela and everything that he went through yes. with that ambition. Yeah. And that's super interesting to see in hindsight. He's like, I used to do this. I used to be like you. And that was a mistake. Yep. Please stop repeating my mistakes. You're supposed to be better, son. I also think it's interesting, like, because then, I mean, we're, I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself a lot. Um, but like in Ragnarok with, with um, like the, the covered up mural mm-hmm. and everything, I, I, it was kind of interesting revisiting Odin's um, like history lesson at the beginning of this movie uh, in the context of like how he's choosing to rewrite yeah. his history um, to his sons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, oh man, I love this movie. Me so much. too. I, it's, it's, it's really interesting how much it holds up in the light of Ragnarok too, because it just feels it just feels like a natural progression. And I know when Ragnarok came out, there were some like there was some like backlash in the fandom that was like, oh, this this movie was too jokey. It was too like it whatever. But like the themes are still there. Like the central conflict is mm-hmm. still there. And I question anyone who says that it was too jokey because this movie is full of like weird physical comedy, like Thor getting hit with the car. Yeah. 
You cannot stop the mighty uh, sedative. Right. Yeah. yeah. The Warriors three with the stupid like wave through the big mm-hmm. plane glass window three, <laughs> which that is one of my favorite. This drink, I like it. Uh, another mash. And the thing is, that's that this movie and also Thor two are really funny in mm-hmm. very subtle ways yeah. that you tend to forget underneath all of the high fantasy and gods and whatever. But like, I'm remembering the scene where towards. The middle, I guess, where Thor goes into the pet store and demands yeah. a horse. Right. <laughs> and he's like, we only yeah. have cats and dogs. He's like, well, then give me one of those large enough to ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so, so much, like, rich humor in this And then movie he goes that- outside and gets hit by the van again. <laughs> For the third time? <laughs> well, no, he only gets hit. Maybe. No. Oh, that's right. They just see him coming out of. They almost hit him. They go to find him in the hospital. He's he's already broken out. And then as they're leaving, like frustrated that they couldn't find him, yeah, they hit him. They coincidentally hit him. Mm -hmm. Oh, universe, you're funny. Anyway, so start of the movie, we then we get Thor ready to be crowned. What like heir king? Yeah, he's basically supposed to be coronated that day. Right. The one time we see him in the helmet, I miss the big stupid helmet. I know. You know, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's so sad because, like, Loki's got his helmet in literally every other Marvel movie that he shows up in, and then they just decided to grow Thor's hair out. I don't know. I like the helmet. I think it's, like, big and dumb and silly, but, like, these movies are supposed to be big and dumb and silly. And I like that. I don't know. I, I like that this movie doesn't take itself too seriously. That helmet was adorable. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's super cheesy. He's just like, I'm such a conquering hero. Go me. Yeah, the helmet. It's interesting that he never wears yeah. the helmet. And then until Ragnarok, but it's different. Yeah. It is really it's really mm-hmm. like sort of interesting and beautiful, you know, the way you get that, that shot of the after after all the the talk about like, you know, humanity and gods and the frost giants and then zooming out into the universe and you know, you head towards like the big bright center of a spiral galaxy and it just, you know, goes through the 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 clouds and the accretional disk and then it, you know, shows up in the city of Asgard, which like how does I mean, I, I suppose we see more of it later on in in later movies, but it's like is this just sort of a floating landmass in a galaxy? And, and, and it's like, it's just sort of there. Like, are there, would flat earthers be correct on Asgard? <laughs> it seems Asgard. that way. <laughs> flat Asgarders. Yeah, they're, they're right. No, the, I think they might the, be right. Oh it's it's not, gosh. it doesn't seem to be a planet. It seems to be sort of just this, this pristine um, sort of uh, a, a place, you know, this mountain city of, and by the way, this so so Iron Man had some cool designs and some awesome like armor and, and sci-fi and stuff and Hulk had some interesting elements of, Does not you know, sort hold of the designing the Hulk stuff. himself. But this movie, the art department had to seriously put on their their thinking mm-hmm. caps and roll up their sleeves mm-hmm. and actually do some art art art. And kudos to them. Caps locky art. So much art. Yes. Art art art. Yeah, no, the costume design, the set design. Everything is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's just beautiful. The prop design, like everything is like covered in scrolling, like, yeah. you know, sort of not work. And, and like even even just like who had to who who had to scrape like the complicated like rainbow bridge, like uh, imprint brand into the sand. And how long did that take? 
and then a gentle breeze comes along and messes the whole thing up. Oh, and it's like people are walking all asshole. over it. It's just like, ah, uh, the wind. <laughs> God damn it! But yeah, I, I love the art and the look, and like you know, you get to that throne room uh, as he's he's. And the color palette, like the color palette, it's of so everything. like golden and lush and regal and just and celestial. Yeah, it really does. The otherworldliness of it is really powerful, especially when you contrast that with heavenly, the rather bleak desert. <laughs> New Mexico. New Mexico. New Mexico is really pretty in its very <laughs> special way. So, yes. Oh, New Mexico. Also, you don't get to see a lot of. In at least in this film, the type of landscape that makes New Mexico so beautiful, like right, it's I would like to go and visit there for some periods of time, but maybe it's the not pretty you there. visit mm-hmm. exactly. Well prepared, yes, <laughs> right. I think actually, I think parts of the New Mexico sequences were filmed on Ghost Ranch. I think, mm, which is used yeah, for a lot true. of like Hollywood stuff. I saw in the credits that it was filmed like on locate. They, they had a New Mexico crew and set, and I'm not sure which elements were shot there, but you know it was done in New Mexico, which is interesting. It started in New Mexico, and then the credits. Before. It is his glorious, shining, triumphant moment, and 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 he's just smiles and winks and and nods and be like, "Yeah, I'm so great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the conquering hero. I just blew up the Death Star. The princess is gonna give me a." Medal. <laughs> All right, step back, Luke. <laughs> yeah. So, but Anthony Hopkins, you know, old one eye, Odin Allfather, uh, is is standing there with his spear and his helmet and his eye patch. Just he's not that. He's so stern. Because, like, even in this coronation scene where he's monologuing about Thor, and like he gets choked up when he says, "My firstborn." Like he's he's like a stoic father and a king, but he's also very proud of this like big dumb blonde. Like golden retriever of a prince, you know, <laughs> my big baby. He's got a good heart. Yeah, he's got a good heart. He may be kind of stupid, but he's got a good heart. Well, not stupid. Foolish is a foolish. much better word. Naive. Yes, as we're about foolish. To see. Foolish is a foolish good word. Is a very good word. Yeah, foolish. Headstrong. Yes. Uh, very, yes. very much. Uh, uh, young, dumb, and full of cum. As my coach oh, used to say. oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. We're marked explicit. I'm sorry. It's I know. A, it's, a, it's an expression. That was maybe. I've just never right. heard that. I have not oh, either. Oh my goodness! But he is. He is. You've never heard that phrase before. Well, it's it's just you know a thing yeah. to say about you know sort of the way young men. Well, young. He's thousands of years mm-hmm. old. But anyway, somehow he's, he's still young for an like guardian boy. He's still he's still a frat boy, <laughs> and yet and yet Odin's like, like I'm gonna make yeah. you king. Don't make me yeah. regret this. Yeah. yeah. And then he immediately regrets it. Yeah, it, it well, like it was really funny. Like, like uh, if it, the way you know, like um, the it, the way the scene was intercut with the frost giants breaking into the um, breaking into the vault under under the the throne room and going for the weapons and killing the guards and uh, the the way it was cut and like the way mm-hmm. a, uh, Thor, I mean uh, Odin, is delivering his speech. I found it really funny. Like he gets to he just gets to that point where he's going to be like, "You're king." And then it cut, you know, it cuts away and you see the, the frost giants doing like this long series of like, it was like 10 or 15 seconds. It was kind of a long break where they're stealing something and they're running off and then it cuts <laughs> back to Odin and he just goes frost giants. And I'm like, 
we as the audience, like seeing the way that was edited, it makes sense. But how funny would it have been to be in the room? Frost and Giants, Odin's yeah. Like, you will be Frost Giants. <laughs> yeah. It's like completely out of context. People are just like, wait, what? <laughs> and that moment just like really struck me as, as one of those. It happens a lot in movies where, um, you know, within mm-hmm. the context of the way that it's edited, things make sense to the audience. But if you were to remove that editing, if you were to just put yourself in the position of somebody in one of the scenes that's being edited together, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes what's said is just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Frost Giants. Frost Giants and the Destroyer. Yep, and the, the Destroyer destroys the Frost Giants. We get a nice bit of foreshadowing, foreshadowing and, and set up an understanding that this big menacing mechanical monstrosity behind the wall, the, the sort of beautiful Apple Store cross, Iron Cross <laughs> wall, uh, like is able to just pop out and, 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 and just turn them into puffs of blood. Oof. Um, check off yeah, the giant machine when they put a destroyer behind the wall not necessarily on the wall in the first act be sure that it's going to come up in the fourth act it's like it's like the uh, things in the great hall at Hogwarts you know eventually they're gonna get released and defend the school but uh, yeah so Thor Thor, Odin and Loki like they head down to the, to the thing and they're like oh my god frost giants <laughs> and Thor is like immediately like mm-hmm. I'm gonna kill him Let's go to let's go to Jotunheim. I'm gonna smash Thor. Smash. <laughs> <laughs> and and Loki's like rolling his eyes, like, oh, all right, yes, you know, father, what should we do? And Odin's like, just calm down, wait. They failed. Everything worked. We're good. It's just it's interesting, like like this sort of moment where 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 Thor is. It's like he was just about to be made king. You were just about to surrender the throne. And put yourself in a position where suddenly this young guy's in charge. And then you find and then you end up in the situation where immediately it becomes clear to you, old man Odin. Mayhaps you need to rethink that. that this might have been a mistake. Perhaps he should go back to finishing school. <laughs> right? <laughs> As guardian like higher education, he needs more of it. Cause cause his uh his patience and and uh and, and nuance and subtlety are not there. That sounds familiar somehow to today. Anyway. Well, um, <laughs> anyway. Hey now, Thor is a very stable uh, genius. Let's let's He, uh, let's <laughs> he is the most stable genius. Uh, this is going to anyway, be so dated um, in a few weeks because something else is going to happen. It will be because by the time this releases, maybe over. You know, it's it's relevant to our conversation now, so I guess that's what matters. <laughs> Actually, it is. It, it it is relevant to the conversation. The idea of somebody who is too childish and petulant and and frankly unfit to lead and frank uh, too inexperienced and unsubtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be in charge of a state and to be in charge of the power of that state. If Odin wasn't there to rein him in, what would Thor do with the armies of Asgard? How much, how many people would die because of, you know, his being like, well, you need to go there and demand answers. I mean, obviously, with him and his four, his three friends, 
<laughs> I have three whole friends. Thor has friends. Thor definitely has friends. <laughs> Damn it, Ray. Look at what you've done to me. Thor has friends. He definitely has friends. Chris, Chris is the one who got me into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, you're welcome, by the way. Okay, damn it, Chris, look what you've done to me. You're welcome. D- no, no, damn it, you're welcome. That's a wonderful show, and if you're not watching it, listener, you should be. Where were we? I like the parallel between Thor in the first act and Loki in the third act, because Loki in the third act is just as um, impulsive and, like, bloodthirsty and, yes. like, manic about it, but, and he might be more conniving and subtle about his the way he goes about things instead of like i'm gonna smash it with my hammer but it's still the same level of you are the bad guy so i'm gonna kill the bad guy to make my dad proud of me he goes i'm gonna destroy you with the bifrost even even under his his cunning and subtlety there's a certain childishness which fits really well Mm -hmm. with like the the greater arc of of his issues and conflict with his father um, you know, mm-hmm. with, with Odin, um, <laughs> not with Laufey. Um, <laughs> he kills Laufey. He does. Uh, Very much. Yeah, he he, he does. He absolutely does. Um, yeah. So like, I, I love like in this, in this scene, like, uh, you know, Odin being like, well, if I was king and he's like, but you're not king. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. No, it's like, you're not good. Fine. And, and Loki's just kind of like, you know, sort of playing the the obsequious little, you know, sort of side guy. He's like, hey, you know, father, you know, maybe maybe he's right. Yeah. Just sort of subtly sort of like whispering in his ear and like, you know, sort of playing it off. And he's so, so pleased with himself. Loki slow burns <laughs> really well in this movie because he comes yeah, across he yes, so just yes. like... He seems Meek, genuine at first. Mile. But he's the one who let those frost giants in in the first place. Right. And I think yeah. I'm going to be the Loki apologist uh, for this episode, I guess. Um, he killed 80 people in New York. Okay. <laughs> no, I know he did. But Loki in this movie is still, like, up until he chooses to commit genocide, Loki is mostly yeah. harmless. Um, I, oh. I believe yeah. that he is... He is, um, like, he, I like that the through line of the Thor movies is Thor learning how to, de- like, ignore Loki's crap. Like, yeah. all the stupid <laughs> shit that Loki pulls. How to deal with it. Yeah, how to, how to, well, I mean, also because Loki is doing this, he's like a, a toddler. Like, he's doing these things yeah. to gain attention and validation. So mm-hmm. I like that the through line of all the Thor movies is Thor learning to say, Loki, stop. Just, like chill because loki has been trying so hard to just get under thor's skin and i think Mm -hmm. that one time he did it with a snake right (laughs) Uh, it's me i think that loki like letting the frost giants in he knows what the the security measures are like he must know like his father's been like grooming both of them for the throne for like thousands of years so i think he is genuinely just trying to pull a prank and I think a prank he that does. Gets two guards killed. I think he is really shocked that Odin banishes Thor because he didn't intend for it to go as far as it did. But now that it has, I think he's going to make the most of it as far as like his own ambition. And that's mm. where he falls because as soon as he stops being a trickster and goes into like a megalomaniac, that's where the issue lies. So that's a good point because yeah. it really started to fall apart when he found out that. He was that he was blue uh, frost giant. Yes, like 
he started to have that like split of like he always he had classic little sibling syndrome mm-hmm. yeah. of just like and then he became uh, a I'm the little one. Frost giant. I'm the one who's just like I'm gonna I'm always second. But then he starts to see himself more as like, oh, Odin was using me. Yeah. Debatable. I mean, yes, Odin was using him, but Odin did love him. It was mm-hmm. like yeah. two for the price of one thing. If he were more genuinely using yeah. him, that relationship would have been different. I mean, if he were, if he was, you know, uh, if he considered Loki to be more of an object and less of his son, I, I think he might have already told him. He might have told him, you're not my son. You know, I have you. This is this is what you're for. And this is what we're going to do. And here's the deal. But he raised him saying, saying, you're my yeah. son. And, and that's why the betrayal hit so you hard. You know, it may, you may, you're in line for the throne if something happens mm-hmm. to your brother. And I'm going to train you just as well as I train him. And, you know, you'll become whoever you want to be. But, but you're my son. And he even says that after uh, he, you know, he. After he tells him that, you know, he found that after Odin yeah. tells Loki that he found, uh, you know, the frost giant baby and they sort of like, you know, it, it's great the way he's telling the story. And like it, it they, un, you know, they very sort of subtly shift to where he's like, why did you take me? Uh, you know, just sort of acknowledging that that's what it was, even though Ho- Odin was referring to him as like uh, somebody other, somebody different. Um, you know, it's like that, that sort of step in the conversation where, where he's like, why, why did you take me? Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I thought you could be the, the bridge, the way to bring our people together. But, but I can get how in the moment, uh, and it's really great that, that, uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston gets to act the scene that, that, that Loki has this character development where, you know, the revelation is made to him that he's adopted and not just, nece- not just adopted, but that he's like, an adopted uh, war orphan uh, by, you know, there, there are sort of like uh, parallels in history. And I'm sure there's like some great real literature that has been written on, on, on the, in the part of like, uh, you know, war orphans that have been adopted by the conquering side, the winning side, the other side, uh, and how that must be so psychologically uh, damaging and difficult to deal with. Um, and so in that moment when he he's like, you know, furious at his father, when he's furious at Odin, um, and, and he's yelling at him and he, and he, and he just yells him down into the stairs and like Odin like crumples and sinks into the stairs, like he's falling away into the, into the sunken place. Uh, and, and, and he goes into the Odin sleep. Convenient Odin sleep. And, and he's just like this, this, this conversation is getting too emotionally difficult. I'm just going to have an Odin sleep. <laughs> Odin out. Oh, these are some really complex issues. You could imagine like Frigga, like confronting him about having affairs with earth maidens. And he'd just be like, Oh, Odin, Odin sleep. sleep. <laughs> Odin out. <laughs> also, now that you bring up Frigga, like, there's no way that Loki has the relationship that he has with Odin without Frigga. Like, mm. I think if Frigga's not there, then it's not, it's, he'd be more of, it be, It would be more of that object slash war orphan slash ward, you know, hostage yeah. almost, as opposed to like, son. Uh, like Theon, Theon Greyjoy yes, in yes. Game of Thrones, for the people who watch that, how Theon Greyjoy was raised by the Starks. Have you guys seen the deleted scenes for this movie? I have not. Or if I, I have, have I but it's been a long time. There's a scene um, before Loki shows up on the throne when the um, Sif and the Warriors 3 show up. There's a scene where Frigga basically hands Loki the scepter and is mm-hmm. like, the throne is yours. And I understand why they cut it out because we're supposed to go from sympathizing with Loki to seeing Loki as the um, antagonist for the second half of the film. But at mm-hmm. the same time, that scene is really 
like it's key in figuring out what Loki's motivations are because like he might not I mean he wants the throne but I don't think he he thinks that he's ready for it yet and Frigga is basically like well I need to take care of your dad so can you have you got can this you, like babysit the kingdom for a while yeah and there's <laughs> so he is in his mind the rightful king of Asgard so mm-hmm. like everything that the warriors three and Sif do to undermine him going forward is like treason basically so mm-hmm. it's yeah I understand why they cut it but at the same time I'm really sad that they did yeah yeah I feel like it would have had a little bit more of an impact to like really you know highlight what they're doing is treason and their mm-hmm. choice to do it anyway uh, I yeah. think that yeah. would have been more powerful and I just stumbled across something oh yeah, it was just kind of like talking about Loki's plan. Why is Loki going to try to commit genocide if Thor just mm-hmm. got kicked out of Asgard for trying to commit genocide? Not the smartest leap, but one of the things it points out is it kind of was like, why is Odin stepping down anyways? Like, and uh, it just kind of clicked for me. I wish they had done this so that, you mm-hmm. know, convenient Odin sleep came less out of the blue. It, it would have been interesting to know that the Odin sleep was coming, which is why he was stepping down. So that's why he was, like, leaving Thor in charge. Cyclical. Like, he knows he has it's to. Winter, you know, it's like winter is Odin's coming. Odin's sleep is coming. Yeah. He has to recharge. Yeah. I just thought that would have been an interesting, like... Yeah. He, has to, he has to go back to the back to Yggdrasil, the world tree, and have a yeah. sacrifice of himself to himself or something, and, and then come back to us. Something confusing like that. Amidst all of Loki's, like, semi-harmless at the beginning plotting, we find out... Except for the two dead guards. Except for the two dead guards. But we meet Heimdall, who is my favorite. They're all my favorite, but Heimdall is really my favorite. Especially, mm-hmm. especially, especially the way Idris Elba <laughs> This is, like, <laughs> such a criminal underuse of Idris yeah. Elba. Yeah. Oh, man. This was such a such a moment in social media. Right? I'm yeah. so glad in Ragnarok, like, he finally got to kick ass and take yeah. names. Basically, every use of Idris Elba for the last few years has been a criminal underuse of his, Idris Elba. I give you a- an idea... Idris Elba as Ragnarok, Heimdall as Aragorn, son of Arathorn. <laughs> like, oh yes, yes, no, absolutely. It's funny because my <laughs> when we watched Ragnarok, uh, my husband, who's my co-host on Lord of the Rings Minute, he just leans over and he's like, "Yes, Aragorn, Idris Elba," and I'm like, like "Hell yeah!" <laughs> yeah, yeah no, this is just Lord up. of the Rings. Which is, yeah, like in, yeah. in Ragnarok, it was very funny, like how, how, how much like the sort of wooded landscape and, and hills and cliffs and, and mountainous things. I was like, wait a sec, did they shoot this in New Zealand? <laughs> they shot it in Australia, I believe. Most of the shooting for Ragnarok was done in Australia and Iceland, I think. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I love so much about Idris Elba as we'll talk about that more on three. is how mad <laughs> it makes white supremacists. Yes. Ah, yeah, it is it is a funny there's thing. That. <laughs> Sif can't have a black brother. <laughs> yes. And Hogan can be Asian and get just go away. Cause like it makes me really sad that Norse mythology in general is being reclaimed by this really shitty segment of humanity. Well, I would say instead of reclaimed, I would say co opted. Yeah. Uh, reclaimed isn't isn't the because, word. Because yeah, it's 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 all kind of icky. Uh, 
So I'm really glad that they chose to do that, and they continued to do that with um, yeah. Valkyrie in mm-hmm. the third one as and, well. And yes. like it's right there in the in the throne throne room like opening scene, like uh, the Asgardians are shown to be a, a multiracial, uh, a diverse uh, ethnic bunch. Also, speaking of progressive things that this movie did, um, it was the first Marvel film to smash the hell out of the Bechdel test in a very big way. Um, primarily the scenes between Jane and Darcy. And we're finally back on Midgard. Midgard! Yes! <laughs> oh, we totally skipped o- we totally skipped over Thor and the Warriors 3 and Sif going to uh, going to Jotunheim and, and smashing the crap out of a bunch of frost giants. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our... Yeah, that's our... But that's our chance to talk about Sif and the Warriors 3. We haven't talked about them yet, really. They're awesome, and I heart them. I do too. And sometimes, especially, and sometimes Hogan. Yeah, but the and sometimes Hogan was really a Thor 2 issue. I know. <laughs> I know. Volstag, who, who brings you the finest food? Sif, who, who proved that a young maiden could be one of the greatest warriors in all the kingdom? I did. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I supported you, Sif. <laughs> one of the casting things that I thought was really interesting was that uh, Fandral was originally supposed to be, it was originally written for Zachary Levi, but he was busy doing Chuck at the Mm -hmm. time. They went with Josh Dallas. So they got Josh Dallas. Wow. And then Josh Dallas was too busy doing Once Upon a Time. (laughs) So then they brought Zachary Levi in for the other two films. That's interesting. I didn't know that he was like the original guy because I... I like Josh Dallas's Fandral. Um, I I've not watched a lot of Once Upon a Time, but I think what he does here, like he's just having a, a ton of fun. You can totally tell. Like you get more mm-hmm. Fandral in this movie than you do in uh, in Dark World, and obviously God, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. So Sif lucked out there. I think that Fandral has more lines in Thor right. two, right. but there's more like action. He, he gets more hero movie. shots, but. Yeah. Like for me, like the 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 two big part, you know, the two big parts of that group are are Sif, Jamie Alexander, uh, who is ah, she's so awesome. She's That's, so good at at Sif. Yeah, she's really good at Sif. Like she brings like a great physicality to it. Like it's sort of one of those things where it's like it, it's kind of unfortunate that you got into this and didn't have a shot at, at Wonder Woman. You know, not to argue about casting, but but. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, like her background is like she wrestled in high school, which, uh, you know, that's good. Good for her. That's a great thing to do. Like wrestling is one of the hardest, phys- you know, one of the hardest sports you can do uh, is is wrestling. And it is absolutely speaking as someone who wrestled in high school. <laughs> uh, it, it is really, really brutal. And it's uh, frankly very hard for for women to, you know, stick in there and compete. And the ones that do stay in there, like a lot of respect for them. Um, so she she brought a lot to that, and that was great. And then the other one that I I, I think we should talk a little bit about is Volstag, uh, played by Ray Stevenson. Yep. Who just a couple years, like a year before, or had two years been before, the Punisher. He was the Punisher. Yep. Like as part of what? like this, the Marvel Knights, like uh, like Marvel had sort of yeah. So they did they did the Tom Jane Punisher movie, and then for the longest time, Thomas Jane was still attached for the sequel. 
a Punisher War Zone or something. Well, that that's like what that. they called it. Yeah, Punisher War Zone. Yeah, and then um, he dropped out, and Stevenson yeah. was cast. And and like before, like Stevenson was just coming off of Rome, and well, not just coming off of, but he was most known for Rome and Rome, uh, uh, the HBO series, which criminally only got two seasons. Uh, if you've never watched Rome, yeah, check it oh, out. It, it's so good. Um, Rome is part of the reason that uh, that HBO decided to do Game of Thrones. They realized mm-hmm. that like on the DVD set, like they canceled Rome. And so on the second season, they had to sort of compact and and truncate like the five year plan that they had into that second season. And even then, even as truncated as it was and as much as they didn't, it wasn't the entire story that they wanted to tell. Those two seasons on DVD like sold so much that the HBO, HBO executives are like, you know, if you asked me for like one mistake we made that we completely regret, it was canceling Rome. It costs so much to make each episode and each season, but they more than made it back on their DVD sales and they've been kicking themselves for years on it. And that's mm-hmm. why they said, how much does Game of Thrones cost? Oh, that's a lot of money, but we'll do it. Anyway, so Ray Stevenson was amazing in that. And then he got to be the Punisher in what I think is, I, I haven't checked the Rotten Tomatoes score, but Punisher Warzone was a complete failure. Um, it oh, no. it <laughs> it bombed hard. It bombed yeah. with audiences. It bombed commercially. It bombed like in terms of money. It bombed with the critics. I... I watched that with my friends in theater and I am, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I liked it. <laughs> You're allowed. There, You're allowed. I like, there were, there were, obviously <laughs> I could see that it was a, you know, uh, a pro, a movie with problems, but Ray Stevenson, I thought did a great job as Frank Castle. I thought he was a great Punisher and uh, he got to have some really gory and terrifying the way that you know the sort of the tom jane punisher was 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 a bit of a like what why is he being all machiavellian this is silly nonsense ray stevenson got to punch people right through the head and that was that was great so anyway uh punisher fell apart he's not frank (laughs) castle anymore suddenly he's big chubby volstag gleefully uh you know feasting and kicking over tables and and being awesome i love it yeah shall we get back to new mexico now where were we Let's chat about Jane and her intern. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jane and her intern, Darcy. What was Darcy's major? Political science. Yes, yes, yes. And her iPod got stolen. Oh, my goodness. Jane and Darcy. Does he need CPR? Because I know CPR. (laughs) Relatable. (laughs) (laughs) She is, like, so unapologetic in her attraction to Thor, and it's really wonderful. Like, there hasn't been a character like Darcy in any of the MCU movies, and quite frankly, just not a lot of movies in general. Like, you don't get a lot of those, like, outspoken millennial protagonists who are actually, like, they seem kind of dumb, but they're actually quite smart and capable. Very capable. Very capable. And, like... It's like, what would the what would, what would Selvig and Foster have done if she wasn't there to, to tase him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an essential member of the team. I bring tasers. I suppose Selvik would have fought and made his ancestors proud. Oh, my God. (laughs) There were like early on, like just as they picked him up and like, you know, he's wandering around shirtless and they go to the coffee shop like early on, like he has sort of an equal number of interactions with Jane and Darcy. And quite frankly, in retrospect, I kind of wish he'd go with Darcy, but whatever. Um, I mean, not that. You know, um, not that 
not that Natalie Portman is, is not an objectively gorgeous woman, but but I'm kind of like, Darcy's cooler. Ah! Anyway, whatever. That's weird. Uh, shipping. I ship it. Ship it forever. <laughs> Legit. I actually, I love the Easter egg when <laughs> she's giving him clothes from her ex-boyfriend and it says Dr. Donald Blake. <laughs> Donald Blake. Yeah, that is. Because that was the, Thor in the comics was weird because at times he would like, yeah transform back and forth and then at other times yeah he he was just in disguise i feel like they couldn't figure out how they wanted to handle it so they gave him an alter that is ego. the sort of thing i wish i had looked into but like in the comics like at least in the beginning and i'm not sure how long they did it but it was like he was donald blake like this old doctor with who needed a cane and was like infirmed but then when he needed to, he could call on Mjolnir and, and become Thor and, and fight crime. And then he would revert to his secret identity, Donald Blake. And I kind of I'm like wondering what came first, Thor or Shazam? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Sorry. At, at one point in the 70s, they decided to take like a very long detour from whatever was going on and just like throw in Wagner's opera. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? Into the Thor awesome. plot line. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh, actually like, some of the original stuff with Valkyrie is that it's like Valkyrie and Thor. Like Siegfried and, yeah. and, and the Ring of the Nibelung. Siegfried and uh, Brunhilde. It was basically Odin just yeah, like fucking awesome. with them. He like <laughs> erased their memories of the whole thing at the end and <laughs> they don't remember. But it's like the entire opera and I just feel so bad for Valkyrie because of- Oh, comics. I'll talk about her more when we get to the third, um, <laughs> third movie, but just like I was Obviously. really entertained by the fact that they just detoured away from whatever they were doing in the plot to be like, we're just going to do an opera now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that that in this one they have like the Donald Blake reference and it's sort of a throwaway thing. But like when when in the comics did they finally give up the ghost on the the whole concept of Donald Blake as alter ego, you know, has to transform back and forth? Because I I swear, like, when I saw, like, because when I read them in the Ultimates, like, they didn't bother with it. And and I could swear that, like, when I occasionally would pick up a Thor comic in the last 20 years, 30, 20 years, like, I would occasionally, like, check, check them. There was never a reference to Donald Blake, at least not that I saw. And and, it, and it's kind of like, did they just decide to give him up in the 70s and the 80s, 90s? When did that happen? And Or, I mean, is it still happening and I just don't know because I'm a dum-dum? I I think post-MCU is definitely, like, he's the god of thunder. He's, like, from Asgard, and he's not, like, a doctor. But I I was under the impression that they based a lot of the MCU on on the Ultimate stuff. They did, yeah. But I could be... Okay. Um, They did, mm -hmm. yeah. I I started reading comics, like, after watching these. Well, reading more comics after watching these. (laughs) So I'm not 100%. I feel like that's the comic origin story for a lot of people right now. Like, yeah. They started, they they yeah. watched like MCU or DC or something and said, oh, yeah. I want to pick up a comic book. Yeah. And also like, well, not, e- not even necessarily that, like with the MCU, but like uh, if you're a little bit old, like a tiny bit older, like the Spider-Man movie yeah. and the yeah. X-Men movie mm-hmm. were both so great that I think that got a lot of people in and that would have been right about at the time that the ultimate line was definitely what they were pushing. So mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people right now, the ultimates is, is sort of like their touchstone. So... Jane is trying to find proof of this scientific anomaly called an Einstein Rosenbridge, Rosenbridge. a.k.a. a wormhole, a.k.a. the Bifrost. (laughs) I thought you said it was a subtle aurora. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and and she's super smart and i love that she has like that it's established that she is a genius and really 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 good at all of her sciencey things and that she has eric there and is who is helping her out and and her intern who is maybe less yeah. helping her out but also helping her out <laughs> Like, wait a second. Why is why is why is a political science major here interning? What all the other spots were full. She was the only one who applied. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. No, I do like that they made Jane um an astrophysicist because there are so few women in like that field, mm -hmm. uh even mm -hmm. now. And I like that she is She's like the person who's driving the plot on Earth. Like it's le like yeah. all the the Asgardian politics and stuff is happening, but she, like her actions are what bring Thor to the Shield site. Like her actions, like are why Thor mm. is even probably still alive at this point. Um, <laughs> so oh, for sure. I like that there were there was a lot of criticism. I remember when this movie was coming out that she was kind of. Um, like, not, like, fully fleshed out, but I 100% disagree with that. I think Jane is one of the most capable and, um, uh, I don't know, like, active Marvel protagonists. And maybe, I mean, mm -hmm. we haven't had, we haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, so I'm sure that will top that. But, sh yeah, I think quite a that bit, I would assume. for I when it was coming out in 2011, like, that was, that was kind of a big deal. And it was, it's really cool that. They have that character in this movie. Yeah, no, she really does drive yeah. mm -hmm. a large swath of the plot. Let's face it, without Jane Foster, Thor would have been in a mental institution, and that would be that. That would be the end of the film. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'd have been wandering and, the streets of New Mexico because he got out, and then they hit him with the car. Yeah, let's face it, he probably would have wandered into traffic at some point and gotten hit by another car. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a moose. He just... Totals a semi truck. Probably. <laughs> he becomes oh, like a cryptid of the New Mexico yeah. desert. <laughs> yeah. He goes to Burning Man every year. <laughs> tries to tell all the drugged up hippie kids that uh, you know, oh like Yeah, there's a rainbow bridge and nine other realms. Like, and, yeah, you dude. know, like Neil. <laughs> cool man. Cool. <laughs> he shows up in your backyard. <laughs> I really like this AU we've created. Thor is crazy desert hobo. Well done. Now I kind of want that movie. Uh, Marvel, if you use this idea, we came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> so with Eric, I really liked his slow um, realization about like who Thor was and and like the stories from his childhood and all that stuff because it just it was a really good way for the you know, for him to connect Thor and the old Norse gods to what they were trying to do. Yeah. And, and I liked the scene at the bar. Yeah, that was that was kind of sweet. Like, you know, he's like at the bookshop and he sees like the little children's book of, you know, the the Rainbow Bridge. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of that's cool. And he was he was a pretty good dude. I like you, Selvig. You're a cool dude. Alexander Skarsgård. You're, you're a good dad figure for everybody. Stellan Skarsgård. Dylan the scene between <laughs> Jane and Eric, where they're fighting about that um, and going back yeah. and forth, um, he's saying it's 
fiction and she brings up the Arthur C. Clarke quote. I grew up with these stories, yeah. You know, he's like, I grew up with these stories. And she brought up the Arthur C. Clarke quote about um, magic is just science we don't understand yet. Yeah. And that, that's what Darcy, yeah. that was the thing Darcy said. A primitive society like the like the Norse might have worshipped them as gods. Them as gods, yeah. Yep. So it was like they're Which aliens. was a, a large part of Stargate SG-1. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I like that because like with all the Marvel movies up until this point, they are um, like quote unquote grounded in science like hard like not hard it, science loosely but based on an idea yeah they're trying to make the comic book movie like contextually accurate and plausible for our time period and then we have like this movie with possible-ish Iron Man is more plausible than Hulk right and then we have this movie with these crazy space vikings and they have magic and a rainbow bridge and I like that this quote from Arthur Arthur C. Clarke is brought up because it kind of ties Thor in with all of that stuff. Like, yeah, maybe it is advanced science and, oh, yeah, we're in a superhero movie. So, sure, let's go along with it. And I <laughs> I, I like that this this movie is unapologetically uh, very silly, but it's also trying really hard to um, tie into the larger mythos, which is really cool. And pretty hard to do i would yeah, imagine thor was definitely sort of a, a big like you know an iron man had already happened bat i mean batman had already, uh, excuse me <laughs> batman hulk hulk had already happened iron man was basically like a stronger batman uh like it sort of contextually made sense in terms <laughs> of like superhero movies that had happened before but thor was i mean it was a big risk for marvel it it, it, it uh was sort of like this it's like, yeah, here's this uh, Norse god that we co-opted decades ago, and uh, he lives in space, mm-hmm. and, and you know, Odin and, and Frigga and, and, and all of them are, are sort of aliens in this uh, crazy galactic city space, and they have fun fighting giant frost giant thingies, and then they occasionally come to Earth on a rainbow bridge. It, compared to the Hulk and Iron Man, it's, this, is often, this is often outer space. This is out, often left field. This is crazy nonsense. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely a chance where, you know, it, it's funny that a couple of uh, episodes from now we'll be talking about how everybody's like, oh, Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy is such a, a big, you know, chance on their part. And it was, you know, and then the talking tree and the raccoon. But at the time, <laughs> this was a pretty big departure and, and, a, and a big step away from, from the other movies. It's kind of like, you know, Captain America makes sense. Iron Man makes sense. The Hulk makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Thor. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this could have gone really wrong. <laughs> and I'm I'm really glad that uh, it didn't. You know, it really, it works. It worked. It, it, it uh, was, it brought Thor into the world and made him a part of the space that they'd already established. And, and you know, it, like sort of. Like, at, at, you know, the, the bit at the end after they take care of the destroyer in New Mexico and and Thor's all, Phil, son of coal, you know, I'm on your side. Never let it be. You know, that happens for like a minute. Like, it's really fast, but it sort of sets him up as, as part of the same world. And it's it's so great. It worked, even even though it kind of felt a little rushed in the moment. One of the things that I really do like is that mm-hmm. in Iron Man 2, they were referencing the what was going on in New Mexico and... They yeah. kind of toss it back the other way with when the destroyer comes out, Coulson goes, 
Is that one of Starks? Someone was like, was one of the shield agents is like, is that one of Starks? And he's like, I don't know. The guy never tells me anything. (laughs) I feel like for this, for Thor, the shield stuff doesn't intrude nearly as much as it did in Iron Mm -hmm. Man 2. No, it it doesn't. It felt much smoother and it felt like it flowed a lot better because it it was minimized. It was minimized. Well, they weren't. They weren't minimal but they were there and it made sense yep. that they were there and it was also integral like yeah shield didn't yeah. need to be involved with ivan vanko like that didn't need to happen but shield confiscating jane's equipment because they picked up this really crazy anomaly and that's the kind of stuff makes a hundred percent sense yeah it makes a lot more sense and yeah. it also like it makes sense because that's really the th- that's a through line to Avengers. Mm-hmm. They start working on weapons because they're going, holy shit, this big blonde dude just fell out of the sky and brought tons of alien destruction with him. Chekhov's destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, like what you were saying about how Thor is basically like, yeah, sure, I'm, you know, I'll defend the planet. I think it's really smart that they made Loki the villain for the first Avengers movie because you have all these people who are already on Earth and that's their job is to protect the planet. But then bringing Loki mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. cements Thor's place in the team. And I thought that yep. was really... Mm-hmm. It, it it like feels kind of sloppy in this movie, but then by the time you get to Avengers, it works well. Yeah. Makes perfect sense in that in yeah. that context. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, not only that, but Avengers number one, Loki was the villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's very yeah. like kind of tie back to where this all comes from. And also, he was trying to unleash the Hulk in Avengers number one, which I just thought that was really. Great that they brought that into Avengers as well. That was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite parts of Thor three is like the tiebacks to um, Loki's relationship with the Hulk. Uh- <laughs> yes! Yeah, quote unquote relationship. I've got to get uh- off this planet. <laughs> the last time I saw you, you were trying to kill everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Mjolnir is landed there. Like, uh, uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, uh, forged in the heart of a dying star, a neutron star. Which I can't remember the exact math, but like when it when it's, when a giant star like uh, expands, 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 and then it dies, and the reactions go out, and it collapses in on itself uh, because of its sheer mass. It's it's really interesting that Ooh, it like yeah. can squish down to the size of a city, and like a single ah, oh, what was the statistic that like Neil deGrasse Tyson like quoted on 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 Colbert the other night? It was like a single teaspoon is like several tens of millions of tons, and so like the idea of like a hammer made of neutron star. If you were to actually make it out of steel, it would weigh like 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like a big, you know, sort of kettlebell, dumbbell yeah. kind of thing. Uh, a couple of like blacksmiths on YouTube have made like their own versions of Mjolnir, uh, which is pretty cool. But like, you know, the idea that that his weapon, his hammer that falls to earth. Um, interestingly, considering how heavy it is when it falls from the sky, like in its blazing fire. It should have gone entirely through the planet. Yeah, that would have been really bad. That would have been like world-endingly bad. Odin, you jerk. But it's cool with like there's an interesting theory out there which is that Mjolnir is not <laughs> is is a fixed point in space and that yeah. everything rotates mm-hmm. around it. <laughs> what? I've seen that theory. Yeah. yeah. Which is why Thor can then just like hang it on. Yeah. A hook <laughs> in Jane's apartment and it doesn't fall. I've seen that before. Yeah. The elevator's not worthy. 
You put it on a table, like the coffee table. You put it on the coffee table. It's just there. I, I think I think uh, that is an interesting. Um, yeah. That's an interesting idea. I prefer the one where it's like uh, Mjolnir is not entirely neutron star matter, but uh, is also um, in some ways a piece of high technology that is beyond uh, fingerprint identification, capable of sort of uh, choosing uh, when and how to be as heavy as it can be. And and that's the fun thing is that you can kind of you can kind of adapt your own theory about what Mjolnir yeah. is and how it works, you know, depending for each person, you know, magic. So. <laughs> yeah, but yes. They're never so Mjolnir is a cat. It does what it wants for who it deems worthy. It is a cat. Mew 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 mew. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Like that was one of those things. Like I constantly referenced Darcy going mew mew in Thor Ra- in, in um in the Dark World. Like I like that moment. Like is just fixed in my brain. I love it. Mew mew. And I totally didn't realize she says it right in the beginning mm-hmm. in the first one. Like the first time he mentions Mjolnir. She goes, Mew Mew. And I didn't, even when I watched like Thor, uh, like the Dark World, I didn't realize she was referencing what she had said in the first one. I thought she was just like, Mew Mew. So Mjolnir lands, creates a crater, and then we have Stan- the Stanley cameo. He's driving a pickup truck, trying to pull it out. Yep. Again, not really the watcher. Well, kind of. I mean, like, he's observing people going kind crazy of. about like this that hammer. One, that's certainly. <sighs> I, I suppose that is a much better instance of being a watcher sure. uh, than drinking sure. Hulk blood soda <laughs> in, in suburban America. So, okay, maybe, sure, fine. And presumably he could also, he he might live right. in that same New Mexico town and be watching what's going on and just sort of is in the background. Okay, that's fine. He's the watcher. No, guys, what if, what if instead of the watcher, there's like just a bunch of clones? <laughs> Life model, life model decoys. Of, of oh my god! Stanley is a Cylon. It makes perfect sense. Stop it! This is not Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but he's like, is he like the fourteenth like Stop missing it. Cylon? Like they just dumped him because he's not effective at his job. He just likes to watch people. <laughs> Stop it! What have I done? What have I done? Oh, oh, oh Stanley! You are really terrible at human <laughs> genocide. Ugh. Get out of here. So S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up and builds um, like this plastic tunnel-y thing, base thing around it. Like snaked around the, the, the crater. It is it's cool, so cool looking. <laughs> it's 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 hard. It was like hard for me. The first time I watched it, hard for me to really like get how everything like how one hallway connected to the other one. Like it makes no sense, yeah. but it's cool. It is a, it is a yeah. complex arrangement. And then we have <laughs> Coulson again and... Uh, the first appearance of Klant, aka Hawkeye. He's just hanging around up there. You know. What did you call him, Klant? Yeah, I said Klant. <laughs> oh. I call him Klant. In a cherry picker, in a crane. His moment is so great because he's just—he has that little moment where he's like, "You better call it, Coulson. I'm starting to root for this guy." Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he's holding the bow the whole time. Granted, it's it's a it's a compound bow, so like when you you hold an anchor, it's not as heavy as if you yeah. were actually holding like a traditional bow. But still, after mm-hmm. a little bit, I would start to he's get. He's got you. killer back muscles from being a circus kid. Um, he is a circus freak. Yep. But yep, I, yep. I think that also like speaks to Clint's mentality because in the MCU, we also know that he gave Black Widow a chance. Mm-hmm. So he's just basically like going to take mm-hmm. all the people who are considered hostiles and adopt them. <laughs> you didn't see that coming? <laughs> oh no, yes, that's another hostile he adopted. Adopt a hostile. 
Today's adopt a hostile day. <laughs> you know what? Now that you say that, it makes total sense. It makes total sense that Clint has kids. Like he just mm-hmm. he just adopts like random people. Like that makes total sense. Yeah. Take it <laughs> apart and put it back together. It does make sense. Yep. Let's see. So this movie was 20, 2010 or 20, 2010 or 2011? 2011. 2011. Yeah. 2011. And in Ultron, which was 2015, 16, 15, 15. Something like were, that. His kids were pretty young still. So like in this, his kids would still, he would be like, you know, here, here on assignment, like having just left his infant children. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Laura's pregnant. Like, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, like Thor, like tearing through everybody in the, he's just like beating everybody. I mean, he gets to the big guy and they're like out fighting in the rain. <laughs> in the mud. And he just keeps doing it. Like he does it a couple of times, like the double leg drop kick. And I'm just like, okay, that looks cool. But yep. that's dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's not a good tactic. I'm like, I, dis- I disagree <laughs> with your training. And- I appreciate Kenneth Branagh's, his commitment to showing off Chris Hemsworth as much as possible. Yes, um, yes. And he does do how good. that continues through the rest of the movies that Thor is in. Yeah. Yes. Like- <laughs> yeah it, yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm sure uh, Chris Hemsworth is down for it. He's like, you know, if you have to eat that much, uh, like, baked chicken and lift that much, it's like, no, you're going to make me look good. It's mm-hmm. going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. And, like, when he... We're getting a little bit of male objectification. Every movie he's in. So... <laughs> Yeah, he gets there and he finds Mjolnir and it's like muddy and raining and he's glistening and and he puts his arms on it and his arms are like bulging as he tries to pull and he's like roaring and Coulson's like watching the whole time just like, hmm, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then like, you know, Thor finally gives up. They're kind of having parallel identity crises, you know, uh, Loki finding out that like, oh, I'm a monster, basically, and self-hating Frost exactly, Giant. self-hating Frost Giant. And so he's having that and acting out and Thor's like, oh, I'm not worthy anymore. Well, um, you say that um, like the worthiness thing, because from my understanding, uh, the worthiness thing is... It happens in this movie, like when Thor gets banished, like this is like this is his toy, like this is his hammer. This is his weapon. But the the worthy. Yeah, the worthy condition has never happened up until this point. So I don't I don't know if like. Yeah, because I think he would have noticed that his weapon now has that. um, The spirally doodad on it now. So I don't know if he knows what that means or if he's able to sense, but I think, I don't know. I, I don't know if he knows that he needs to prove it. Yeah. Like, it's like a Hercules thing. Like, he needs to prove himself worthy now. Yeah, I didn't make that connection. Because he probably, honestly, like, if you think about it at the beginning of the movie, that, yeah. with all of his arrogance and, and you know, head how headstrong he is and foolish he is, he wasn't worthy of carrying it. In the beginning of the movie, and that's that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. But he was still able to lift it, so it wasn't obviously a condition right. of, of the hammer until Odin throws it through the Bifrost. Good point. Cool. 
<laughs> right, because Loki Loki was there when he saw Odin throw the hammer into the Bifrost, so he would know that there's that worthy condition, so that also proves Loki's arrogance, too. Like, oh, well, I obviously must be worthy. Yeah. And then he's just like, why am I even trying to do this? I don't want to I don't want to lift this hammer. I don't want to be him. I want to be Oh my god, mm-hmm. I think that says so much about <laughs> just like that he would even entertain for a well, second. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily know what what Odin considers to be worthy. Like he knows that he knows that in that moment that Thor's headstrong like pig-headedness arrogance As the rightful blindly king. stumbling into everything is obviously not worthy and that Odin was punishing him for that. Yeah. And he throws yeah. the thing away, but he thinks that perhaps like his his patience and his guile and his uh, his, his ability to to you know sneakily do things mm-hmm. or show restraint where it's needed might be what is worthy. Because up up until that point, maybe you know, I don't know, possible. You know, it's worth it's worth testing. No, I think you're making a good point. Right. Like he doesn't know that yeah. worthiness requires like self sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. understand it and can't. And then Jane shows up and they rescue, or no, Eric shows up and they take him away. And then they go and go to the bar and get drunk. I love that, that Coulson immediately sees through Selvig. Like, you know, the idea is like, this is a fake. And like, Selvig's a terrible liar. It's like, oh, he's an MD, is he? And it's like, well, he switched to astrophysics. It's like, mm-hmm, okay, sure. <laughs> and, and they're like, so do mm-hmm. we, do we, do we stop this guy? Do we arrest him? Cause we could clearly arrest him for, you know, trying to, uh, lie to federal agents and it's like no 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 let's see where this goes i i really love colson's sort of um forbearance and and interest in in the world around him it it is it, it is something that sort of sets him apart from like in in a lot of movies and a lot of tv shows uh over time there is sort of like the established trope of of the um the sort of soulless government bureaucratic uh agent that just follows the rules and does what what mm-hmm. he's told to do and and uh is uninterested and 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 uninterested in in the actual justice of a situation and more in applying the rules as they're written um you know like the agents from the matrix mm-hmm. or something uh and and it's interesting that in th- this instance, like you saw it a bit in the Iron Man movies, but in this one, it's very clear where, where, like you know, as a federal, as, as a Shield agent, he would be well within his rights to to be like, no, you're lying, and I'm going to find out why you're lying, and you're under arrest, and we're going to charge you with blah 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 blah. So but he's just bad at his job because he's more interested in seeing <laughs> what's out there. Him and Hawkeye are both just bad at his job. <laughs> oh, piffle! Oh, I actually think he's very, very good at his job. That's why they're good at their job. That's why Shield yeah. is different. I think what he did, I think what he did would be very much in line with what Nick Fury would have like, wanted him to do. Like I think he recognizes that there's something bigger at play, and right. he wants to see it play out. Like yeah. his like, instincts have kind of kicked in. This is something he's never seen before. Yeah, um, it's like what do and, we get out of keeping this guy prisoner? Let's see mm-hmm. where he goes and what he does. Yeah. It's sort of like sacrificing a pawn to get the king. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Coulson, the secret chess master. Coulson has... That's the thing about Coulson, is that he's so competent. Like, he... Mm-hmm. You get so many hapless government agents in fiction a lot of the time that seeing someone who is just so, like, <laughs> good at his job... It's weird. It makes him a superhero. It is. Like, that's his superhero. 
Government agent man. G man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Fed face. Fed face. Fed face. Fed face. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So they get Thor away from S.H.I.E.L.D. and back to into town and they're at the diner. When you hear a knock on the window, and lo and behold, there are the warrior Lady Sif and the Warriors Three. <laughs> hey. They're so smiley and happy. <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. seen that meme on the internet of them showing up, and it's like my internet friends meeting my yep. real life friends. <laughs> so accurate. <laughs> so good. Is the Renaissance Fair in town? Yep. Oh. oh man yeah and 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 uh you know from there like talking they're able to sort out that like yeah loki's been lying about that it's like no your mom didn't actually uh you know uh didn't 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 exile you uh it's all it's all a ruse loki Shocker. lied to you your dad's not <laughs> actually you dead yeah he's just because up till then he thought that odin was dead nope he's just now sleeping he's just napping to avoid responsibility <laughs> Also relatable. Uh, what? Also so relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, because the Warriors 3 have reached Thor and because Thor is still up to no good and because Loki has realized that Heimdall isn't going to help him, he sends the Destroyer. The Destroyer! Yeah. Just such a weird... What a weird yeah. creation the destroyer it's yeah. awesome like the way it like bends itself around and turns around and its little metal band body like can sort of shift and that and was twist. one of my favorite effects yeah i really like yeah, that it's, effect. it's pretty good it's like again you know kudos to the art department <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah but then you have that like really wonderful shot of you know thor in his jeans and button-down shirt mm-hmm basically high nooning it towards yeah yeah <laughs> it is there's actually a lot uh, of visual visual references to other films in this film mm-hmm. like you have a jurassic park moment with the glass of water i think it's actually <laughs> when the destroyer is approaching yeah um yeah. but there's a lot of those kind of little easter eggs um, also it's, it's really film. interesting like throughout this movie um i don't know whether it was i i, I assume it was brana's choice um maybe the dp but 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 like the way that um, the film is, uh, the way they frame everything at Dutch angles, like that sort of twisted angle yeah. where things mm-hmm. are slanted, like when you see, you know, Loki getting what he wants or, or you know, being in charge or like throwing out the the Warriors 3 or like when Thor is like in his, when the characters are in their moments of like uh, woe and despair, the way the camera like gets off kilter and, and, and changes. And I'm, I'm trying to think back to whether or not that sort of angled shot was, that angled frame was used in Iron Man or or the Hulk that much and I don't if it was I'm sure it would make sense for it to have been used from time to time but I don't remember it it didn't stand out the way that it does in this movie like as a as a bit of direction to sort of um throw the audience off and and emphasize like how twisted things are and then they're obviously losing and Thor says I'm gonna stay get everybody out and he gets blasted and then Scales and costume and mew 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 mew. It is okay. It is his moment of worthiness. It is his moment of worthiness, and I guess. And Odin in his Odin sleep starts crying. <laughs> Single tear rolls down his cheek. The most dramatic tear. Yeah, I okay. So, I 
I enjoy this movie. I enjoy this movie so much. I think it's I think it's a good movie. But there is sort of a it feels a little so at the beginning he's so you know, he's been alive for thousands of years, but he he is still so brash and arrogant and young and 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 childish um, as a leader. And he comes to Earth and he's there for three days, three days, something like, you know, he lands, he ends up in the hospital. They bring him home. He's there for that day. Uh, and then, you know, they find out about Mew Mew out, out in the desert. He goes there. He gets arrested. He goes out drinking. And then the next day, the destroyer comes. He's basically this is this is like a uh, weekend in New Mexico, <laughs> weekend at Selvig's, and and uh, Thor one weekend at Selvig's. <laughs> exactly, and and it's just like he he grow and and granted, like people can have epiphanies and they can change and and sort of you know that moment of 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 not being worthy for the hammer, although not having heard uh, you know Odin speak it into the into the hammer like after he had cast thor out it's like how does he know he's not worthy i don't know um but but i guess like that that sort of that breaking that losing and not being what he thought he was and not being able to lift it may have sort of like sent him to um you know the the depths of despair whatever it is in the Mm -hmm. hero's journey where you know you're in the belly of the whale and uh he kind of has to reach into himself and and when he gets to that back to that basics it's like um at, at, he, he sort of falls back on whatever he truly is and whatever he is at his heart. And uh, I, I guess, you know, it, it can, yeah, that can happen <laughs> in three days, I suppose. But it still kind of feels like there might be, I can imagine a different version of this film where Thor is exiled to and Earth. And ends up in the desert and burning And has man? to actually spend some time here and maybe is a hobo and maybe, you know, works odd jobs and, and has to live his what life. What you are and... describing is a television show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, fine. It's a television show. You're right. It's not fair. <laughs> it still feels kind of funny that he, he goes from this point of, of being, well, I suppose you can still be brash and headstrong and also... Uh, you can still also recognize uh, when you need to to make self-sacrifice and that demonstrates worthiness. And up to that point, he may have never had an opportunity to sort of um, display that kind of uh, ability to give of himself to others. Right. I think a big part of that is because I don't think he'd ever really connected with any individuals from any of the other realms. You know, he just kind of stayed within his, you know, Asgardian bubble and then, you know, once he's on Midgard, he gets to, you know, connect with Jane and Darcy and Eric and see all of these, you Frail know, mortals. extraordinary mortals that he thinks, you know, they deserve to exist and they deserve to live. And, and he shouldn't be the person that screws that up, you know? Yeah. Mm. I agree with you, but isn't Hogan from... He's not a star yet. Yeah, Hogan's, Hogan is from... Yeah. He's not one of the, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but well, still I, one of the one of the realms that they regularly. I think write. the the important like the parallel between that first action sequence in Jotunheim, where he is just like a hundred percent in it, like he's very selfish because like he he wants to fight and at his friend's expense, and then you have this one with the destroyer where he is putting his friends first, and like. Like he he doesn't want to fight. And I think that's the I think that's what Odin is trying to like all notions of worthiness aside. I think that's the lesson that he's trying to impart. Like sometimes it's OK to fight, but other times it's you you need to like 
take a step back and realize that what you're doing is very foolhardy. And I think that is communicated well mm -hmm. uh, over the course of the movie. So, yeah, it is like three days. Uh, and I do I do kind of see like because they do have that conversation in the bar about how he has no purpose. So but then like the next morning, he's like making pancakes and like he's a new Thor. And then I don't it, it is very sudden, but it's also like a movie. So I can make some allowances for that. It's also such a drastic departure from his normal life that he's he's on a very steep learning curve. Right. You know, it, it's a short amount of time, but the amount of experience that he is gaining in that short <laughs> amount of time is more than he has gotten in, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. It's a lesson in humility. Like, he is yeah, royalty, exactly. but now he's like living with peasants for three days and he's just like, okay, well, yeah, I understand mm -hmm. now a little bit, maybe. <laughs> It's the express version of a redemption story. Yeah. Right, right. Thor died for his own sins. <laughs> <laughs> Thor was sacrificed to Thor and hung from the from the branches yeah. of Yggdrasil. <laughs> oh yeah, like what? What is it? He he spends. Yeah. is it three, three days, days or seven days on, three the, days. on the world tree? Three oh. days, three days on the world world tree. You know, three three is a pretty. And then I think number. they got runes in, in ancient or letters or something. I don't know. Yeah. One of the yeah. times that yeah. he yeah. sacrificed. But, uh, yes. That sacrifice of yourself to yourself yeah. for, right. for, for greater power. That's true. Now I'm just thinking Good about Horcruxes. I don't know. <laughs> and we're back to Harry Potter. It all comes back to Harry Potter. But anyway, yeah, so he, he, gets, he gets the scales, he gets the armor, and then he smashes the and crap out awesome. of the destroyer. In a tornado. He destroys a the tornado. destroyer. Yeah. Good times, good times. <laughs> and then he says, <laughs> "What he picks up, uh, like, uh, oh, like just the the way, like, I I love the way mm -hmm. Jane like reacts to like you know his Mom. his sudden ma makeover. Oh, God. right, <laughs> God, yeah. And like as much as as much as she was Twitter painted uh -huh. with him before, like you know, seeing his like perfect Thoreal hair, and <laughs> Thoreal." <laughs> Because you're worth it. <laughs> and, and, you know, his hammer and like, and crushing the opposition and not being a crazy desert hobo. She is super down uh -huh. to whatever. <laughs> She's DTF. Let's face it. And, and yeah. I, you know, like, yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, super, super duper. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, let's fly off into the desert. Woo! Yeah. And then she gets left hanging because he gives her that very like gallant kiss on the knuckles and bam. Oh, yeah. He, no, but he did that. He did that before, didn't he? Didn't he do that as as space hobo? Yes, he oh, does. No, yeah, but yeah. yeah, he does the little the little the little knuckle kiss, and she's just like, "Oh, I'm so Twitter painted." I I like that. Like the first time he yeah. kisses her knuckles, she's just like, "Oh my gosh, she's so charming." And then like he kisses her knuckles, and then she's like, "No, no way!" And she goes for it. I love that. She's very proactive. <laughs> see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is why we like Jane. I mean, you yeah. have to be a go-getter to be an astrophysicist and a woman. Exactly. Like, <laughs> she knows what she wants and she's going after it. Yeah, so Thor bamps, uh, bamps back to Asgard, where Heimdall has broken out of his deep freeze and opened the Bifrost. Also like a bamp. Like, so bad. Yes. So good. With yep. his eyes. With his eyes. Yes. Shring, shring. With his eyes and his yell. He's like, I am just, I'm too hot for this ice. 
That is what everyone in the theater said, yes. <laughs> he smoldered his way Believable. right out of it. Yep. Ugh. And then I do, you know, I do enjoy the final confrontation between Thor and Loki because it's brothers and oh, yeah. and there's yelling and there's a lot of feelings. Big Shakespearean mm-hmm. arguments. Ah! And then oh, man. <laughs> convenient, convenient end of Odin sleep. Mm-hmm. That, that's some peak Shakespeare right there. Speaking of Shakespeare, something I completely forgot when we were talking about it earlier. But when when Odin is banishing Thor and like and, and Loki does the little thing like to try and interrupt on his behalf and Anthony Hopkins goes. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and he goes. The, ah! the har- war- war. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ah. Uh. I love how startled he is, like startled Tom Hiddleston is. He's just like, oh, God. Yeah, because yeah. he was legitimately like, what? Whoa, Anthony Hopkins just growled at me. <laughs> I did not anticipate this. <laughs> yeah, so the, the fight between uh, Loki and, and Thor, that was pretty good on, on, on the Rainbow Bridge, uh, like smashing his fashion. And we get like that great moment. Where he's, you know, he's got, he's got Loki down. He's like, I need to keep you down uh, so that, you know, I can. I'm just going to put the hammer on put you. Put the hammer on you. It's so good. <laughs> it's just like, stay. Good boy. It's like, this is how I, this is how I restrain you and I mean, beat you. And, you know, also, you know, sort of rub I mean, your look, face I know that whenever are. my cat sits on me, I'm un, I can't, <laughs> I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> Mule Mew's a cat. <laughs> Mew Mew. But that also kind of gets to the idea of uh, Mew Mew as 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 uh, sort of se- semi conscious, semi aware uh, item that that is capable of not squishing through the, mm-hmm. his you know uh, fleshy meat sack. Because as 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 tough as his guardians are, a neutron right. star you know of that mass pushing through you should, should squish. This is the scene that I was thinking about the entire time you were telling us that like a neutron star is like tens of millions of pounds. I'm like, oh, poor Loki's chest cavity would just be like <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bug meat Absolutely. windshield. Uh, <laughs> An ant in a boot. Yeah. That's where that really came from. <laughs> and then... You know, things <laughs> progress as they do, and the only way to stop Loki from destroying Jotunheim is to destroy the Rainbow Bridge. No! How will they ever rebuild? How will he return to chain? <laughs> Pretty easily, actually. Yeah, really, really easily. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. They'll work it out. It's cool. <laughs> but, like, you know, you get that, that moment where they're they're both dangling off the bridge and you know, <laughs> Odin shows up out of nowhere. He's like, oh, I'll save you guys. Save both my sons. He does. And, and Loki's like, you know what? Loki's like, you know what? I'm just going to fall off into space. Yeah. And then Loki lets go. <laughs> like a fucking idiot. God damn it, Loki. Like, <laughs> I am going to go find a it floating is. rock with a guy sitting on a chair, and I'm going to do whatever he says. I, one of my favorite things <laughs> to, to consider is like how long between him letting go of Thor's hand or whatever um, on that bridge... And him actually finding Thanos. And, like, because if you think about it, it could be, like, an endless amount of time where he's just losing his mind even more. And then he finally finds someone who harnesses it and points it back at Earth. Doing his own madness. 
reliving reliving his grievances. Because yeah. we know he was on Sakaar for weeks. And it took yeah. Thor like two hours. Well, it isn't the um, end credit scene the one yeah. where yep. Loki is like shadowing? Yeah. That is, yeah. No, it no is, that's the end of this one. That's the end of this one. Okay. Okay. That's where so, he's, he's controlling and uh, or influencing Selvig. Right. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's presumably not too long, actually. Time travel right. shenanigans. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Mm-hmm. Time probably doesn't pass on Asgard the same way right. it passes on Earth. Considering their their age and stuff. Right. Oh man. And so we end on like this kind of beautiful, um, you know. Norse Viking funeral type thing uh, that's a lot of feasting because shockingly in certain cultures we don't sit around cry they don't sit around crying they celebrate to they celebrate um and I actually saw a lot of like there's a lot of Loki stands on the internet who don't seem to get that mm-hmm. like they were partying when Loki died I'm like, that's that's how their ha- that's how their funerals go they're feasting in his honor mm-hmm. like that's how they mourn they're giant parties. I think one of my favorite, um, like, send-ups to that concept, too, in Avengers is, like, when Thor's armor, because his costume's different, Mm -hmm. but his bracers have the Loki motif on them, and, like, that's one of my favorite, like, subtle touches, like, that Thor, like, genuinely loved and mourned his brother Mm -hmm. and enough that he wanted to carry him into battle with him, Mm -hmm. which gives me all the emotions, uh... (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, when you guys cover Avengers, you should like look on his bracers cuz yeah, the I've Loki helmet. Yeah. I've never noticed that before. Yeah. It's Thank an you. awesome awesome yeah, detail. Thank no you. problem. And then you have this really beautiful like ending moment of um Thor going to Heimdall and him seeing he can see Jane and that she she's watches looking for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She searches for you for answers. She searches yeah. for you. And one of my favorite things that was cut from the movie is um as they're setting up to like uh as like Jane is setting up the beacon to look for him, Selvig mentions connecting to the sword satellite. Yeah. Oh, Easter yeah. egg. That's cool. Yeah. Connecting to which satellite? There have been a couple satellite? of sword sword. Oh sword. yeah. Yeah. There have been a couple of sword Easter name drops, I feel like, in the MCU. That's the most obvious one. I feel like there are a couple I'm a couple seasons behind on S.H.I.E.L.D., but don't they, like, reference it once or twice? Like, isn't there something, like... uh, They're doing something uh, spacey this season, so... Like, May's mom, like, she references her agency as something different. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, whatever. So, for those of you who are pure MCU fans and have no idea what S.W.O.R.D. is, is it's, like... Abigail Brand. Yeah! Sort of a sister uh, organization it, it, to Shield. Yeah, that deals with extraterrestrial life um, and extraterrestrial threats to the planet Earth. And I really hope it comes up in Captain Marvel. I think that would be me too. Per- perfect. I mean, place it makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense for it to exist since we have you know Asgard and we have you know the Guardians of the Galaxy, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. We got the Kree it already. It would stand and we're to reason. Soon. Yeah. 
if it wasn't established after Avengers, it would certainly need to be established after Infinity War. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like you know what yeah. the the United you know, the the United Nations sort of like you know the blue helmets that that kind of thing like the the mm-hmm. the, the peacekeeping forces the that we have whatever, there. Yeah. We need to actually establish a legitimate yeah. global force. We're starting to have alien problems, guys. The Earth Defense Force, <laughs> the EDF. <laughs> oh. So this was fun. Thank you guys again for having me and letting me talk about one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Absolutely. It was our pleasure. Of course. Love having you on here. Next, we're going to be time traveling back to 1940s for a little World War II action with Captain America, the first Avenger. That's no. That's no. 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 What? No. Star Spangled Man with a plan. That's what you should be singing. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, anyone got anything to plug before we head out? I think I'm good. I got my bases covered. Again, I'm from DuelingGenre.com, LordOfTheRingsMinute.com, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you like fantasy, which I assume you do because you are listening to the thor episode uh come hang out with us at lord of the rings minute it's fun i promise <laughs> i bet it is all right i have a new announcement i recently launched a blog called superpowers sold separately the it's a fitness blog for nerds by a nerd um so come check me out over there uh superpowers sold separately.com it's cool you should check it out And I'm just here hanging out and having fun. So we'll see you guys next time, I guess. See you next time for Captain America.